Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 25th September. This is Ian Haydock. This week we have news from ESMO on Pfizer's oncology strategy and drug pricing hearings in the US. The differing fortunes of two cyclin-dependent kinase 4-stroke-6 inhibitors, Eli Lilly's Versinio, which is abemaciclib, and Pfizer's Ibrantz, which is palbociclib, in early-stage breast cancer, was spelled out at the European Society for Medical Oncology meeting, as the full results from the Monarch E and PALAS studies were presented. Top-line data for both had already been reported and suggested that Vizinio had succeeded where Ibrantz had failed in reducing the risk of recurrence in women with hormone receptor-positive, HER2-negative, high-risk early breast cancer. In June, Lilly said abemaciclib had become the first of the CDK4-6 inhibitors to demonstrate a significant reduction in the risk of recurrence or death compared to standard adjuvant endocrine therapy alone in patients with this form of the disease. Alex Shemmings reports that this came just weeks after Pfizer said the PALAS study in adjuvant breast cancer was unlikely to meet its primary endpoint. Pfizer's hopes now rest on the Penelope B study due to read out by the end of the year, but its chances of success are not thought to be high. The two drugs and Novartis's Kiskali, which is ribociclib, are all already approved for HR-positive, HER2-negative, advanced or metastatic breast cancer for use with hormonal therapy. Kiskali and Vicenio have also confirmed their survival benefits in advanced HR-positive, HER2-negative breast cancer in studies presented at last year's ESMO. Ibrantz missed significance against that measure. Also from ESMO, Kevin Grogan writes that Pfizer's Lorbrina, which is lorlatinib, has knocked the spots off the company's predecessor, Zalcori, which is chrysotinib, for ALK-positive non-small cell lung cancer in a phase three trial, putting the drug in a position to challenge other existing first-line treatments, such as Roche's Alcensa, Novartis's Zycadia, and Takeda's Alambrig. The full data set from the 296 patient CRAN trial was presented at ESMO's virtual congress, pitting Lorbrina, which is a third generation ALK tyrosine kinase inhibitor, against Zalcori, the first drug in the class to be approved nine years ago in patients with previously untreated ALK positive NSCLC. Lorbrina was approved as a second-line treatment in 2018, and Pfizer is hoping to get a first-line approval to kickstart the product. The Crown data will certainly help in meeting that hope, as it showed the drug resulted in a significant 72% reduction in the risk of progression or death compared with Zalcori, the primary endpoint. Median progression-free survival was not reached in the Lorbrina group, compared with 9.3 months for those on Zalcori. Data from 30 people presenting with measurable brain metastases were also highlighted, where the intracranial overall response rate was 82% with Lorbrina and 23% for Zalcori, with intracranial complete response rates of 71% and 8% respectively. 
Over 96% of patients had no CNS progression at 12 months in the Lobrina arm, compared to 60% in the Zalcori group. Amgen is moving forward its closely watched KRAS inhibitor Sotarasib, which is AMG510, at an aggressive pace with plans to seek accelerated approval based on a single arm phase two monotherapy trial in non-small cell lung cancer if the results are consistent with new phase one data published in the New England Journal of Medicine and also presented at ESMO. The published data and an ESMO presentation on 20th September showed a confirmed overall response rate of 35%, which was all partial responses, and a disease control rate of 91% for 34 NSCLC patients treated with 960 milligrams of sotorazib once daily. This was the highest dose tested in the initial monotherapy cohort of the phase one code break 100 trial, and is also the dose being tested in the potentially pivotal phase two portion of the multi-cohort study. Amgen's global oncology therapeutic area head, Greg Freiberg, noted in an interview that the existing chemotherapies for lung cancer patients who are third or fourth line, typically have a 10 to 20% response rate and see progression-free survival in the two to three-month range. Mandy Jackson writes that median progression-free survival was 6.3 months among all 59 NSCLC patients treated with sotorazib in the phase one cohort of CodeBreak 100 and across the four doses tested. The NEJM authors noted that the study's results compare favorably to the 9 to 18% response rates and 2.5 to 4 months of median PFS with current second and third line treatments. Pfizer's oncology pipeline has undergone a significant transition in the last five years, moving away from high profile immuno oncology assets towards new targeted therapies. The failure of immuno-oncology combinations to deliver paradigm-changing successes has also led many other cancer drug developers to reprioritize next-generation targeted therapies. Pfizer showcased its oncology pipeline during an R&D overview on 15 September, highlighting a late-stage portfolio that includes only two immunotherapy opportunities. One is a new indication for the PDL1 inhibitor Bevencio, which is Avelumab in first-line metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. And the other is the next-generation subcutaneous PD1 inhibitor Sasanlimab. Jessica Merrill reports the US company said it could have 14 potential oncology approvals by the end of 2025. Many of those, however, are new indications for existing medicines like Extanzi, which is enzalutamide, the PARP inhibitor Talzena, which is Talazoparib, the MEK inhibitor Mectovi, which is Binimetinib, and the BRAF inhibitor Braftovi, Encorafenib. New launches across five of six key therapeutic areas are part of the company's goal to reach a compound annual growth rate of at least 6% and double-digit earnings per share growth from 2020 to 25. Finally, the six drugs on the agenda for the US House Committee on Oversight and Reform's upcoming drug price hearing 
or all older mature medicines, some of which are already available as generics. Generally, the products grew into blockbusters through regular annual or even biannual price increases, a practice that has come under more scrutiny in recent years. The Congressional Committee announced the hearing on 22nd September and revealed six pharma executives had been called to testify at the hearing, along with the brands they represent. The hearing, to be held on 30th September and 1st October, reflects an effort by Democrats to take back control of the drug pricing debate in the US, following President Trump's announcement of a new round of executive orders on pricing. Jessica Merrill notes that the House hearing is part of the investigation launched by the former chairman of the committee, Elijah Cummings, into pharmaceutical pricing practices. And the committee said it comes after the review of more than 1 million pages of internal corporate documents. Among the executives slated to testify are former Celgene CEO Mark Ellis and Bristol Myers Squibb CEO Giovanni Caforio for their association with the multiple myeloma blockbuster Revlimid, Teva CEO Corey Schultz for Capaxone, Amgen CEO Robert Bradway for Enbrel and Sensipar, Malincrot CEO Mark Trudeau for HP Akthar Gel, and Novartis US President Thomas Kenris for Gleevec. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. And don't forget to sign up sign in and set up to receive these full stories and much more digital content, including our popular regular columns such as Deal Watch and Pipeline Watch. There's also now an Informer Pharma Intelligence skill for Alexa, which is under the Business and Finance category, which allows easy voice access to this and all our other podcasts. For your Alexa smart speaker or, or app, just say Alexa Open Informer, Pharma Intelligence, and you can then ask it to find a specific podcast. Bye for now.